all of that content can be included in advance in a template that can be customized that the patient is assigned. And then the patient, when they've been enrolled in the system, is going to be guided every single day in grand detail with gauging information and content that's not just newslettery or generic WebMD content, but is actually coming at them from their doctor for them until they solve that problem. Welcome to the Regenerative Warrior Podcast, Doctor's Edition. One of the fastest growing regenerative medicine and anti-aging podcasts in the world. Each and every Tuesday and Thursday, I talk to the top experts to show doctors how to market, manage, and magnify their practice to help more people and make more money. Each episode is short and to the point without wasting your time with pointless conversation. Learn the skills to be successful without traveling to seminars or paying for expensive consulting fees. Are you ready? Because I am. I'm Dr. Ross Carter, and it's time to start the Regenerative Warrior Podcast now. Two things before we get started. The views expressed by our guests are not necessarily those of Dr. Carter or this podcast. One of our podcast partners has just announced special pricing for our listeners. Wharton's Jelly Allograph for $475 per cc. You heard that right, only $475. White papers are available. This is for a limited time, so act now. Why pay double or triple the price from other providers? To learn more or to order, text your name and the word JELLY, J-E-L-L-Y, to 561-962-1231. Write that down. It's 561-962-1231. On with the show. This is John Cummings. I'm the CEO and founder, and we are a digital health guidance platform. The topic that we wanted to cover today is uh, something we call 10,000 Steps to the Refrigerator, and that's basically shorthand for what we find as a gap between what people are being told to keep track of and what people are being told to do about it in terms of digital health. So what is the problem that's going on right now? So we've recently done some articles and webcasts about this, and the problem that we have in the healthcare market right now and wellness generally is that people are being bombarded with messages about tracking their health and tracking their steps and tracking their food, but they don't really know what they should be doing about changing the results that they're seeing in their tracking. So, for example, there's an enormous market for things like tracking food and activities, but most people are just looking at the data and comparing it with other people and comparing it with what they've seen for themselves in the past and don't really know what to do about it. So if you're tracking your weight and it keeps going up, there's really not a lot of resources out there that are directed on how you should change that other than just ubiquitous web content and sort of generic information. And so we think that there's a gap that is not being addressed by health care and wellness professionals that really should be telling people what to do about that data and to change the data points by changing their lifestyle and their approach to it. Gotcha. So basically, we've got a problem with we have all these devices that are monitoring us, but that doesn't tell us what to do exactly to get the results and outcomes that we're looking for. Exactly. And we like to joke around in our office about this because we we're involved in it every day. You've probably seen the commercial on TV where the bank is being robbed and two people are on the ground because the robbers are pointing their guns at everybody and they look up to the security guard and they say, hey, are you going to do something about this? And he says, I'm not a security guard, I'm a security monitor. And that's exactly what we're dealing with with all these tracking devices and wearables. They're telling you something, but they're not telling anybody else and not doing anything about it. They're just reporting to you what is happening. And if what's happening is you're taking... 10,000 steps in the direction of the refrigerator to get a snack or 10,000 steps to a bar to have a drink, then what good is the information? You're just basically tracking something that has no 
real meaning other than it being a number. So you're not really doing anything about the problem. It's interesting because that is so they promote the 10,000 step thing, which sounds like a great concept, but it doesn't really tell you why you're doing it. It's just a random number that someone determined, I guess, that doesn't really give you any data for achieving anything. I think that's absolutely true. And it just sounds like a nice number. Most of the fitness professionals that I talk to who really don't believe that steps are or is a good way to measure whether you're really getting enough activity feel that 15 to 20,000 steps really should be a benchmark if you're going to be tracking that way before you can even start to have a conversation about activity. But but worse than that is the fact that if you want to just picture another cartoon in your head, picture people standing around at a Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts drinking those tall, sugary coffees. But how many steps did you do? Or well, I did 10,000 today. And they're really not looking at other factors, their diet, their lifestyle overall, their lack of sleep, you know, their mindfulness. And so there's, there's a huge gap in terms of the guidance about what to do, and that should be addressed by medical and health professionals. You know, I've seen it where people would just shake their arm and it looks like it's a step and like they're cheating just so that they can reach this arbitrary goal, but they're not getting anything out of it. Yeah, you can put it on your dog's leg and have your dog run around, or you can just sit and just move your arm up and down. And, you know, that's obviously people who are just trying to be funny. But I think it's a good example of the fact that there's a lot of discrepancy in just the steps themselves. And that's just one level of the, you know, sort of fecklessness of this whole situation. Because I believe personally that counting steps, uh, while a, a, you know, a worthy goal on a daily basis to get somebody moving uh, is a very small part of what needs to happen in behavioral health and behavioral health modification. That makes sense. But there's ways to computerize systems to help us with our health. Is that correct? I think that what's really interesting to us is that there is a huge market for data. And so people are talking about big data and digital health in terms of what we can track, what we can see, what we can analyze. And you know this as a practitioner. When you look at somebody walking through the door of a clinic and they are clearly, you know, 50 or 100 pounds overweight, you can immediately, just without even taking out a survey, a blood test, a urine test, you know as a provider that immediately you can say, wow, this person's probably diabetic, pre-diabetic, has some heart issues, probably has high cholesterol, maybe at higher risk of cancer, is probably not sleeping well at night, which may be leading to problems with sex, going to the bathroom. So without even doing any assessments and using any data, you have a human eye to see that there's a problem. And so we can use all this great data, pinpoint what's really wrong with somebody individually. But at the end of the day, what I think is missing is doctors and other healthcare professionals taking that data and saying, look, we can tell from 100 different data points that you are very sick or you're very overweight or you're going to have a problem with you know, your diabetic condition, including neuropathy and pain and other things that are coming down the pike, let's do something about it. And this is where traditionally medicine has been unable or unwilling or untrained to take the problem and give a solution to it as opposed to just giving voice to it and sending people on their way until their next physical, maybe at most with a prescription for statin or cholesterol-lowering drug. Right. It is definitely a problem. I mean, being a healthcare provider is always an issue because even with all this electronic data, a provider doesn't always know what to do exactly with the data that this person has. And even if the patient is going to share that with us to begin with, most of us don't, you know, say, hey, by the way, do you have any trackable data points that we can utilize for watching you walk or step or keep you healthy? It's not a common conversation. Exactly. And I think it should be more common at one leg of the stool, essentially. And we think there are three legs of that stool. One is the, you know, the tracking itself. 
One is, you know, what should be done about it. And the third is what's the methodology by which we do that thing that there is to be done about it. So just to underscore the recently quoted a couple of articles of studies, 800 subjects with clip-on activity trackers after a certain number of months that were tracked, they found that wearing the clip-on activity tracker had no effect on overall health and fitness, even if it was combined with a financial incentive. And then out of Pittsburgh in 2012, the University of Pittsburgh explored combining a weight loss program with a fitness tracker. And they found, ironically, that the ones who didn't wear the fitness tracker lost more weight than those wearing trackers. So a recent uh, Wired Magazine article concluded that wearables aren't working and they won't until the wearable actually tells people what to do. And I personally got a chuckle out of that because that's kind of like, you know, the whole Henry Ford thing. You know, let's give them faster horses. If you ask them what they wanted, they would say faster horses. So Henry Ford said, well, why don't we give them something else, like, you know, a car with an engine in it? And I think that expecting the wearables to do the guiding, you know, this little piece of electronic machinery without some human intervention and a system that takes human knowledge and assigns it to a person based upon some level of expertise or involvement is where the crux is. So, you know, doctors need to be the ones giving the guidance. But as you mentioned, they don't always know what to do with the data. And so we want our system to bridge that gap. So how are systems bridging that gap now? How does that work? So you're familiar with, and everybody on the planet generally is familiar with WebMD and resources like it, where you can type in Google or in WebMD, uh, you know, what do I do about diabetes? Or I think I've got a heart condition or I'm overweight. What now what? And there are enormous amounts of information out there that are overwhelming to most people because there's 10 different opinions and there's 10 different approaches and maybe I also have this problem. So people can self-diagnose and self-research all day long, but it's really not going to be as effective as coming from somebody who is wearing what would traditionally be thought of as the white lab coat. And so when a doctor sees a patient who's overweight and says, listen, I want to put you on a weight loss program, the patient is five times more likely to follow that advice according to the Centers for Disease Control, than if the patient got that information from somebody else. And the problem is that only one in three doctors are doing that because they don't have a way to do it. So it's partially that doctors don't know what to do, but more and more they are figuring out what to do and they're being trained that way with the so-called functional medicine movement. But they don't have a way to do it that's time-effective, cost-effective, and overall just you know, efficient and profitable for them as business people. Uh, a library of programs in a portal that the doctor can access. The doctor can simply say to a patient, look, we looked at your self-reported symptoms. We've evaluated you visually. We've taken your weight. You're clearly overweight. You look like you're pre-diabetic. I'm just using that example because it's simple. We want you to follow an elimination diet or a weight loss program, whatever they decide is, is appropriate. And once they've used their medical expertise to determine the condition and an appropriate solution, they can simply just use the system to enroll a patient into the appropriate program and have that program do everything that the doctor would like to do with that patient every day, but doesn't have time to do. So obviously the doctor, although it would make a kind of a funny commercial, the doctor can't be in your kitchen every morning telling you what to make for the day, what to eat for the day, what exercises to do, uh, what meditations to do. But all of that content can be included in advance in a template that can be customized that the patient is assigned. And then the patient, when they go home and they've been enrolled in the system, is going to be guided every single day in grand detail with gauging information and content that's not just newslettery or generic WebMD content, but is actually coming at them from their doctor for them until they solve that problem. So that's how you bridge the gap of these wearables and this technology 
to where it can actually apply to help them achieve a goal. Well, yes. So the wearables is the third part of that. So the patient comes in with some data and the doctor obviously evaluates some visual data and does some testing. And normally the, the doctor would traditionally just send a patient home and say, here's a drug, I'll see you next year, because the doctor can't really harness the amazing amount of information that's sitting out there on the internet and in the general zeitgeist of information that we have. They can take that information, marshal it into a program that's already ready to go, push information to the patient, and then here's where it's exciting for us. The system, like our system does, should then also give the patient the ability to now integrate the tracking into that one system so that when the doctor is monitoring, you know, Marcy Smith, who's on the weight loss program, he or she can now say, okay, Marcy's on day 15, and let's see what that's doing to the numbers. Oh, she's taking steps every day, and she's exercising, and look at this. She's been weighing herself, and she's lost 15 pounds. And now the doctor can interact with that patient, tell them that they're doing a great job, maybe see what food they're tracking and tell them what adjustments to make. And all of this would not be possible because the doctor wouldn't be able to do this face-to-face every day. It just wouldn't be cost-effective, wouldn't be possible or feasible for them to do that. But with a system that harnesses the technology of education through online means and through apps, the doctor can push that information to the patient and then monitor it in real time and make adjustments as the patient improves or falls backwards. Do you have data or anything that shows that these types of systems actually do make a difference in in either weight loss or other varying health conditions? We do. And, you know, we don't have a comprehensive data set for the entire platform because, as you can imagine, we don't just have weight loss doctors. We have some that deal with pain management, some that might be dealing, you know, uh, information after a spinal surgery. So there's different metrics for each practice. But in our weight loss practices, we do see a very dramatic shift in weight. And we've got one clinical study that we're pulling data together for right now. And they're out of uh, Florida. I can't really mention the name until we get the, the, uh, the approval of it. But they've been with us for about five and a half years. They've enrolled, I think, close to 10,000 patients in the system. And we're now compiling the data on how much weight they've lost collectively and on average for patients who are in a program with that system. So we're going to be publishing some data on that before Christmas. Uh, to show the actual effect of it. And as you can imagine, being a practitioner, the anecdotal evidence of having over a thousand providers using the system and using it year over year, we know that it's working to help the doctors feel like they're bridging the gap to get their patients involved and not just send them home without any help or advice. So now a doctor that's making recommendations can actually kind of find out if the patient is really following those recommendations. Is that accurate? That's correct. And I think what's really important to note about this is that they can see the data. They can actually go in and look at the data for each patient, and they can know that the patients are actually doing what they're being told to do and reporting back about their compliance with that. But they can also then make adjustments in real time. So instead of waiting for a year for that patient to come back in and get on the scale, and they say, wow, you know, I can't believe you've actually put on 50 pounds since I saw you last year when you were already overweight. They now know in real time, three weeks later, four weeks later after they saw them, that they're either, you know, going up or down or whatever it is, heart, you know, blood pressure, A1C, whatever they're monitoring, and they can make an adjustment proactively, which is what we're really about. And I'll just take a quick segue here, Doctor. The, um, you and I talked earlier about this, and basically the, the reason why these three legs of the stool are sort of coming together, you know, tracking health education digitally and the ability to you know, to monitor and guide the patient through all that with the information that's available is something that was not really thought of until about 20 years ago. And it was generally being addressed by you know, people that were involved in Asian medicine, uh, acupuncturists, and you know, eventually chiropractors, which you know are still a very caring group of doctors. 
Sorry for the interruption again. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card and dominate your area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and any question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or go to our website at drrosscarter.com to learn more. Don't forget about our current $475 Warden's Jelly Special. On with the show. But even today, we find that most MDs in primary internal care don't really have a, an appetite for this because pharmaceutical industries and the way that insurance has traditionally been handled don't incentivize doctors to do anything about the chronic or acute conditions that they see every day. So they just collect a copay and they send their doctor or their patient on the way. And as you know, that's changing because of the functional medicine movement, which has adopted what used to be an alternative thing into a more of a mainstream way of looking at things. And now Medicare, with its macro requirements and the, you know, the, the MIPS system, is going to start to force primary care to see things the way that you and I do in the functional medicine market. And doctors are going to have to comply or be penalized if they don't start to get patients healthy as opposed to reacting when they're sick. Well, that'll be a very big shift in the way the medical industry is. Do you think doctors are ready for this type of shift? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say that they're not ready for it, but just like, uh, you know, this hurricane is coming to North Carolina, uh, it's coming and you have to prepare for it. So you're probably familiar with the way that the federal government handled the rollout of the electronic medical record system. At first, they made it a requirement that you, you know, start to get patients into a, a portal and demonstrate meaningful use of that portal by a certain percentage of your patient base. And if you did so by a certain date, they would actually give you a reward for that. You'd be incentivized financially. That incentive went down the following year after that, and then eventually became a penalty if you didn't have enough of your patients in the system. If you don't have a system in place where you're proving compliance with a set of monetarily incentivized things, the MIPS system is the um, incentivized payment system, the practice is penalized for not showing that you've done enough to get patients to schedule their semi-annual exam, to schedule a specialty exam like a colonoscopy or a breast cancer screening, and to monitor body mass index if you are overweight. So there's going to be a forced paradigm shift, and we're excited to be in front of this, where primary care, even though they're not doing it from a perspective of a doctor who says, hey, I I want to help people before they get sick, they're going to have to realize this from a financial incentive that if they don't do it, they'll be penalized. And I think that's going to be sort of the the carrot and stick approach that's going to force doctors into this paradigm to start to, you know, advance the ball towards preventive health as opposed to reactive health. So that's basically where you think the industry's headed into a situation where, you know, you need to do it now because you'll have to do it in the future anyway. So why not learn how to use these tools right now? Exactly. So if I came into your practice and you were a primary care doctor who didn't see the need for this, and we talk to them throughout the day as we make outbound calls to try to get people involved in our system, and you said, well, you know, I really don't practice that way. We, you know, we see patients all day long. We collect a copay. We address their conditions, if any. And then we see them again when, you know, it's time to see them next year or, you know, when they are due for a checkup on the condition that we gave them a prescription for. Uh, and you said, to them, well, what do you want to do about all the patients that come through that are overweight or are already sick or that are looking for a way to stay healthy? The doctor would say, well, we're too busy for that. You know, it doesn't make us any money and we don't really have time for that. 
Instead, I came in wearing my Medicare hat and said, well, you bill insurance, right? You bill Medicare. What if we told you that if you don't start to do this, that you're going to lose money because we're going to reimburse you less for your services? Now you have a doctor's attention and the doctor's going to say, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. We're going to change the cost structure by reducing the amount of sickness, by reducing the amount of overweight and obesity and diabetes. And I need to be a part of that or else I'm not going to make enough money. I get it. What do I do? And so a system enables them to do that pretty easily because we've got the library of pre-made templates for them to use. It's not exhaustive yet, but eventually it will be. And it's going to take some training on the doctor's part. I think most of these doctors know that if a patient is is presenting with a pre-diabetic condition or a heart condition related to their weight or some other condition that involves their gut and they need to deflame the gut, and they have a little bit of training on, oh, this person should be on an elimination diet, and oh, this person should be on a rehabilitative exercise program or you know whatever the case may be. And they can just turn around to their computer and say, you know what, and I've got a program just for that condition, and I can enroll you in it in under 30 seconds. I think that they'll be pretty receptive to it, but there's going to be a little bit of a, you know, a push down the stairs to get their attention in the larger primary care market. And it's a paradigm you're already familiar with, and you're already practicing and preaching it yourself. Exactly. And so basically, if somebody's trying to choose a provider and they say, well, this provider just basically says hello and sees me for five minutes and I never hear from him again, or a provider that has a series of instructional videos or educational material that comes to the patient every day, to help them guide them where they are. It's kind of like an electronic personal trainer, really. And that makes a huge difference on the bottom line with the doctor as well. That's right. And I think that one of the things that we've seen, uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, what are the results of doctors using this? And what we found is that doctors are, at first, they consider what the cost of the software is as opposed to the actual return on investment. But what we find is after a few months of using the system in practice every day, they realize that with very little extra time, they're giving patients a tremendous multiple of additional care, guidance, and support that otherwise just wouldn't be possible. It's you know, kind of like people didn't ride taxis as much until they started to do Uber, and Uber expanded the universe of possibilities. Once you're inside for a few months and you realize that your practice can now just immediately enroll people in care programs that touch them every day just for them, just for their condition, and it enables you to say to the patient with great confidence, hey, listen, we're going to just spend a few minutes together today while I tell you about how we're going to use this awesome digital guidance system for you. You know, state of the art, it's great content. We've put this all together just for people who have conditions like this, and we want you to enjoy this. So we're going to enroll you, and when you get home, it's all going to make sense to you. The doctor would normally, as you probably know, spend 20 or 30 minutes to explain to somebody why it's important to clean out their gut before they lose weight or why their lack of actual resistance training is the reason why they're not losing weight in spite of them being on the treadmill for an hour. Whatever the program is that they might enroll them in, they normally spend you know, a fair amount of time explaining it to the patient verbally. Now doctors find they can give the patient a shorter explanation, but at the same time not have the patient feel like they've been given short shrift because now the patient gets home and they're engaged by the doctor every day with a lot of content that's structured, is sequential, and is meant to solve that problem over a specific period of time. So the patients get more, the doctors spend less time, and it makes the practice profitable and more efficient while the patient gets a better outcome. And so when you're using the systems, are there programs already there or does the doctor have to come up with their own? Well, we address both of those possibilities. So we have a lot of practitioners who come to us and they say, this is a great idea. I love the structure of the system and the delivery methods and everything else, but we already have our own program. And so we help them digitize that content into a digital storyline so that the patient that's enrolled in it you know, for the next 60, 90, 120 days is actually following a sequential narrative that guides them. 
and have doctors who come to us who are functional medicine minded, but they really haven't figured out their own programs, but they know that they should be implementing certain dietary guidelines, certain lifestyle modifications. We have, you know, 60 or 70 uh, templates right out of the box that can be customized or used as is for any number of dietary restrictions or guidance, exercise programs, American Heart Association, walking programs, mindfulness programs. And so you could pick from those and immediately have a library within half an hour or so of just, you know, putting your own little voice on it that you could enroll a patient, you know, 10 minutes later without having to build anything from scratch. So if you already have a program, you can basically get that uploaded so that it can automatically be distributed to your patients. And if you don't, you want to use another system that's already created, you can do that as well. Yeah. So we basically built our content engine as a big uh, payload uh, on the back end. So there's a huge content management system that allows you to aggregate information from six different libraries of media, which includes videos, recipes, exercises, photos, notes, and documents. And so all the plans that are already in the system as templates were built by our team to include all those elements. So you might log in and on you know, day three, you have a video and three you know, recipes, or on day four, there might be exercises, depending on what plan you're on. But practitioners are encouraged to upload their own videos, their own photos, their own recipes, and make it their own content. But surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, uh, I'd say at least 75% of our providers don't make a lot of changes because we've got a thousand recipes already on board. We have you know, a, a library of 400 exercises with videos and photos explaining how to do something in proper form, and they've been aggregated into you know 30-day, eight-week, 90-day programs. So you might not want to reinvent the at-home fitness plan. It's already eight weeks of daily split-body workout routines for a person of average health. You know, so you can enroll somebody in that in five seconds, and they can follow that for eight weeks as an example. Now, besides, you know, you've talked about like weight loss, what other types of programs are there available? So we have dozens of what I would think of as garden variety diet programs for people that need to follow a certain set of dietary guidelines or restrictions. So we have Mediterranean diets, we have gluten-free Mediterranean diets, we have paleo diets, we have anti-inflammatory paleo diets, vegan, vegetarian, diabetes reversal, you know, gut health, so all the things that you would think of as the common horsemen of the apocalypse, so to speak, when you could think, what can I do to this patient in terms of their diet? We've got most of it covered. And if you have one that you, you know, you need that's specially suited to your practice and your patient type, you can take what we have and modify it. So we've got a doctor who built his own FODMAPS program. And we also have, you know, certain programs that are built specifically for groups that make exclusive content available to their providers. So I the Institute for Functional Medicine, programs from specific supplement companies. So that's the food and diet part of it. And then we have dozens of exercise programs, anywhere from the beginner or walking plan all the way to the advanced uh, strength training programs. And those are all, like I said, built out, multi-week daily guidance on how to do those things. And then, of course, we've got, you know, uh, some mindfulness programs with meditation and other stress reduction content. And that's the universe right now. We're basically primarily about lifestyle modification but we are being used by other uh, practitioners who also have reducing medication in children or healthy pregnancy. And those aren't our content libraries. Those are practitioners in specific verticals who are using the content management and delivery system to address a specific need. And so eventually we will move into recovery from surgery and many other verticals of medicine that need a content management and delivery system beyond just lifestyle modification and that addresses you know, surgery follow-up, care follow-up, and things like that. What about stem cell therapies for joint conditions? If it can be addressed with educational content, 
and if it's conducive to something that's protocol or module based, and then eventually, of course, having something that's trackable and reported back to the provider, then yes, of course, anything that, that is, you know, fits within the structure or the construct of this, we're content agnostic. Gotcha. So let's say a provider wants to do something for a program that you don't already have. And he doesn't really have a program that he can use for guidance. Let's say, for example, stem cell therapy. He wants to do a daily email to his patients to help them after the treatment, you know, recommendations on what to avoid and maybe some exercises in the future. How does he go about creating this type of system? When you say system, we think of it as a template plan or a care program. If they need to build a care program around a topic and they don't really have all of it figured out, we will generally meet with them over the phone and talk about what their needs are. So is it going to be a program of a certain length? Uh, is it going to touch them daily? What kind of content do you want to include in it? And then do you want us to guide you through how to use the content management system to build it yourself, which is actually very simple to do and uh, easier than using like a WordPress site to build it? Uh, or do you want to have our team do it? And so as long as you will source the information for us and provide us with what you want the program to include, it's a pretty simple equation. We have staff that, that can build uh, using our system the content into a really nice-looking narrative, and uh, you know, we make suggestions about branding and style and layout and format and things like that. Uh, although we haven't really done it much in the past, we have been commissioned by companies who have a little bit of knowledge about what they want to do, and they've got some of the information, but they wanted our guidance on how to build it and actually source some of the information, and for that, we bring in somebody who has some expertise. So we brought in a nutritionist in the past to build a diet specifically for somebody who didn't have all of their, you know, their ducks in a row just yet. And we would just charge by the hour uh, on a project basis, reasonable cost-wise. And we build that program just for that provider, and that would be their intellectual property on a going-forward basis, which they can use just for themselves, or if they like, they can also list it in our marketplace for other doctors who maybe don't have that program to, to use as well. So you also have a marketplace for doctors to do something. We do. Yeah, we just launched in the last six months by popular demand, and it hasn't grown to a huge library of premium plans in that marketplace. We saw a need for doctors to be able to take what they had built and share it with other providers and also to monetize that. And then we also have a number of providers who like to use the you know so-called garden variety topics and titles. But once in a while, they'll come across something. For example, we have an infertility program that one of the doctors built. And so you might be, you know, not really a fertility doctor, but maybe somebody comes to you and they're dealing with a number of issues and they'd like it in a way that's the best, you know, way to eat for, you know, somebody who's, who's dealing with infertility, just as a little bit of a, you know, a help me up on that topic. You can pay a wholesale price that compensates the creator of that plan and then enroll your patient in it as you would with any of the free plans. And so the publisher or the other you know, expert provider gets a little bit of a royalty for building it and sharing it. The provider who doesn't have that expertise or that plan at their disposal can take advantage of that expertise. And then the patient, uh, at whatever price the doctor charges for his or her care, will get a program that meets his or her needs. And we're growing that, that library little by little with expertise from other providers. Wow, that really can help providers who are definitely starting into a field that they're not very familiar with, and they're just starting out, and they don't really know exactly how to coach a patient necessarily. So I think that's a fantastic yeah. addition there. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe to be notified of all new episodes, and also like and share this to help us grow. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, to have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, 
or how to create a million dollar business card to dominate your local area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and your question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or you can go to our website at drrosscarter.com. That's D-R-R-O-S-S-C-A-R-T-E-R.com to learn more. Until next time, this is Dr. Ross Carter signing off. Signing off.